Good morning, everybody. Today, I have the pleasure of having Dr. Milagros Castillo Montoya, who is an assistant professor in higher education in the Department of Education Leadership in the NIAC School of Education at UConn. Her research focuses on the equitable experiences and outcomes for racially minoritized and historically underserved college students. Dr. Castillo Montoya primarily studies teaching and learning in classrooms with racially and ethnically diverse college students with a particular focus on the experiences of Black and Latina first-generation college students. She has published on teaching and learning and the experiences of racially diverse college students and faculty in various academic journals, including the Review of Higher Education, Harvard Education Review, Teaching in Higher Education, and the Review of Educational Research, among other outlets. Her career began in higher education as a counselor for the Students in Educational Opportunity Fund program at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. This is a program for first-generation college students with low-income backgrounds. Launching her career in higher education through this position was very special for her as this was the same very program she was a part of as an undergraduate student. She has drawn on her expertise in college teaching and learning for racially minoritized and historically underserved college students to support colleges and universities across the nation in effort to improve faculty teaching. She's committed to creating transformation in college teaching so that racially minorized and historically underserved college students have a meaningful college education. We are very fortunate to have her today and welcome her to the podcast with STEMIFY. Good morning, Milagros. Good morning, Amit. Thank you for inviting me to be here with you today. So let's uh, get into the conversation. So what do you think is the biggest challenge to access initiative motivation in education? Well, when I think about access, two things come to mind. First, I think about students getting an opportunity to gain entry into something or to something. And in this case, it would be education broadly and online education specifically. Um, When I think about access from that point of view, one of the biggest challenges is whether students have the resources to actually access online education. Things like computer, internet, even just a quiet place to participate in their own learning and other things that they might need. So that's one way to think about access. Another way that I think about access and it relates a bit more to the research and work that I do is thinking about what students get access to once they are in college. So more specifically, what kind of education do they get access to? When I think about education, I think about access to academic content knowledge, But I also think about other things like what kind of interactions do they have access to with their faculty? What kind of interactions do they have um, access to with their peers? Um, What breadth and depth of knowledge are they given access to? And how much of that knowledge connects with their actual lives, which is shaped by the multiple identities that they might hold, such as race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, and other identities. So when I think about online education, a big challenge that comes to mind is how do you foster a community learning experience online? How can students collaborate with each other? And how do they apply their learning to the communities that they feel most connected to when they're in an online education environment? And there's a real big challenge for faculty and professors. How do you continue to facilitate active learning in an online environment? 
I think these are all really critical questions that we have to think about that present challenges related to access. And, you know, because of my research and my own identities, I think a lot about first-generation college students and specifically Black and other racially minoritized students. And I think we have to, um, when we're thinking about this population or these populations, we have to think about um, and give careful consideration to how do we foster authentic, meaningful relationships with students? especially in an online environment. I think faculty really have to ask themselves, you know, how they foster those type of relationships. And, you know, we have to ask a critical question. Do students even have access to faculty who care about them and their full humanity? That's a critical question that we have a big responsibility to consider in thinking about access. I think you really made some very critical points here when you talk about what students have access to once they are in the institution and what their academic interactions with professors and peers, how they shape their own views about what education is and what is the meaningful aspect of education that is being provided through these institutions. So let's talk about a little bit more about the access aspect. And I know your research has played a, a lot of you know, attention to the very intricate aspects of access. Where do you think the SES plays a role in access? I think that's an important question because, again, I think we can think about access in terms of social class and socioeconomic class in two ways. One is, do students have access to basic resources, right? Like computers internet, books, space. And these are super important and cannot be overlooked. So I definitely do not want to minimize that. In terms of my work, though, I think about other aspects of socioeconomic class, like what ideas do students come into learning with? What ideas do they have about what it means to learn, um, what it means to engage with peers? And those ideas may or may not align with what faculty are thinking. So I think about access and social class in terms of, you know, making sure that students know who to ask questions to. What are the resources on campus? How do they get support if they need it? In an online environment, this might be harder for them. So when you're on campus, you might run into someone or you might pass an office and see, you know, a label on an office door that makes you think, oh, maybe here. Or you might attend things in different buildings that expose you to some resources. But if you're online, you know, it's really more on you to figure out where all those resources are. And, and I think in terms of social class, we, the faculty and administrations, really have to think about how do we lessen the burden of this, of this transition on students, especially um, for students who may be the first in their families to be going to college or mm. the first in their families to be studying within STEM. You know, so how do we figure out the ways that we could use an online environment in an efficient and effective way? so that we can help them figure out the rules of learning online instead of having them figure it out on their own. I think that's important. That is very important. That is very important. So what are we doing about this as a community or what can we do about it as a community? Right. Well, you know, in specifically focusing on the part that I think I'm a little bit more concerned about, which is how do we lessen the burden so that they don't have to figure out the rules of learning online on their own? I think that one thing we're doing is that we are offering a lot more professional development for faculty. So oh. I see a lot more workshops on like online teaching, on engaging students. And I think that's fantastic. 
absolutely needed and very good. So I hope that faculty take advantage of those opportunities. And I also think that there's more professional development for faculty happening right now on how to teach in you know, on classrooms and in courses where you have more diverse students, especially racially diverse students and across social class, right? And I mm-hmm. think those are very good and very important. The challenge, though, is that I think we need to sustain that support. So one workshop is not enough. Faculty really do need sustained professional development in teaching in classrooms with students who are diverse by race, ethnicity, social class, and other identities. And by sustain, I mean, you know, a curriculum that is progressive, you know, where it can build on, on one another. Each session can build on it so that faculty are growing in what they know, but also that it continues over time. Because as you learn one new idea as a faculty member about how to engage this population in your course, you might go and try it. But then what happens? <laughs> you know, in, my, in some of my research, I've seen like faculty, you know, learn how to diversify their curriculum so that the content of their teaching is more relevant for their diverse, racially diverse students. And right. they get very excited about that, which is awesome. Yeah. But then what happens is that there's now conversations happening in their courses that never happened before. And then they're not ready for that. They're like, well, hold on a minute. I just diversified my curriculum, but what do I do now? And so I think sustained professional development is absolutely necessary. And I really am a big believer that we can put all the burden on individuals we really have to think about the systems. So even though everything I just said was about how faculty need sustained support and need to engage in professional development in a sustained way, I also must say that this is only possible for faculty to do if the institutions where they work value teaching enough that they support their faculty to engage in such sustained professional development. And that means in providing them with the resources and the time to engage in professional development and to reward those efforts. Because otherwise, if we don't do this, if institutions don't do that, then we just continue to put the burden on the students rather than on ourselves. That's very well said, because this is a part of an ecosystem. And it is never, uh, you know, when I talk about the ecosystem, there are different stakeholders the students, everything that we do is student-centric. But when it is about the students and there are different stakeholders contributing to the development and the education of the students, you have the institution, the faculty, the you know governing bodies. We look at it as a holistic aspect of how deliberate we are in making sure that we are doing what we are doing for our students to have the access, the quality of education that is important from their growth and further development. That is very very well said, Milagros. I mean, I think it's a very important point that you bring in from the perspective of what the faculty needs to do. So what is one of the biggest lessons you have learned in your career? You know, One of the biggest lessons I've learned, and I learned this in multiple roles when I was an administrator, you know, and then it it shifted in a different way when I became a faculty member. Mm -hmm. Um, But the lesson was still um, the same in that I learned that caring for students in our hearts is not enough. It is necessary, but it's not enough. The care and the love that we might have for our students must be visible in our practices, in our policies, and in the structures that we create and sustain. 
we must be intentional in how we enact our care so that students really feel that they matter. It's not enough for me to say, I care about you. I have to show it. And the way you show it is through your practices, your policies, and the structures, not just because you feel it in your heart. That's one big lesson that I learned. And so I encourage faculty, and I do this for myself, is I consistently revisit things and assess for myself where do I need to grow so that I better understand where my students are coming from, what their experiences are like, how does my syllabus communicate through the content and even aesthetically that I care about my students holistically? How do my office hours show that I care? What time do I schedule them? What day do students have access to me during that day and time? Because otherwise, you know, I might make office, avail office hours available, but if it doesn't really work for the students that I teach, I'm not showing them that I care about them. That's very true. That's very true. I mean, I think it, you know, in mathematics, we say necessary and sufficient condition. I like the idea that you have mentioned that it is not enough that we care in our hearts for our students, but also show that in practice. Mm -hmm. And that is so important. So do you have any story to share with us about how you have, you know, anything that you would like to like our listeners to know about a story that you've come across in your career, which has touched your heart? You know, um, they are, I'm going to go to this care part again, because I think this is something that actually has stayed with me, even though it started, I experienced this story very early in my career, but it still has stayed with me. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a, a EOF counselor, which is the Educational Opportunity Fund Program, we really did so much for the students. You know, we were academic advisors, we were financial aid counselors, we were personal, you know, counselors with, you know, students' lives and helping them manage so many things going on in their lives. And so basically, we were a one-stop shop. Whatever the students needed, our goal was to help facilitate that for them, you know, help them connect to whatever they needed on campus. And for many of the students, we were um, the family away from home. You know, for them, they were all first gen generation students, which meant they were the first in their families to go to college. So all of them were figuring this out for the very first time on their own. And our office and, and our staff, we were the family that they had on campus. And it just goes to show how much care matters for students' experiences. Because I remember one day I had a student in my office. I had my door closed because we were in an advising session. And then someone's knocking on my door, almost like with an urgent knock, you know? So of course I open it because I'm thinking something's wrong. And there's a student of mine. He was there holding his head up and his, his fingers on his nose. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he says, I'm bleeding from my nose. Where should I go? What should I do? <laughs> and I just thought to myself, go to the health center. Why are you here? You know, um, but that, I mean, I didn't say that, of course, but I was just like, you know, I think the best thing you could do is go to the health center. But what made me really touched by that moment is that that's what we were for them. We were, we were their family. And so if anything was wrong, even as simple as like, my nose is bleeding, where do I go? That's, they felt safe, they felt welcome, and they felt loved. They felt like they mattered. And so I feel like that's the biggest lesson I have taken away about what comes first. Like while I worry about, you know, the quality of many things that we offer our students, I really do think about relationships and loving and caring for our students at the most basic human level. Like if we treat them like they matter because we really believe that, they feel it. And I think that helps them thrive in everything else that they're trying to navigate in college. That is so true. That is so true. It is 
sometimes uh, you know students treat us as family and expect a response that one would have in a family so that's that's mm-hmm. a very well said so just as a closing thought can you share the best way for our listeners to connect with you if they want to continue the conversation yeah so i think the best way to connect with me is through email um that's probably the best way even though i might be sometimes slow in responding to email it is the best way to reach me especially now with all the distance learning and my email address is my name in full so it's milagros m i l a g u r o s dot castillo c a s t i l l o hyphen montoya m o n t o y a at ucon.edu and um, yeah that would be the best way to reach me thank you so much milagros i really appreciate you taking the time to having a conversation on such an important topic that we all as a community of educators are facing today and i hope that we continue to have conversations in the future thank you so much thank you amit this has been great thank you